Hey everybody, this is another episode of Mika's Energy. And here today with me, I have Terrence, who will be speaking to you all from the standpoint of view of a well-educated entrepreneur who's also a black man, a black king. <laughs> Thank you. My, my pleasure, brother. How are you doing today? Doing great yourself. I'm doing just peachy, peachy king <laughs> with everything that's going on in the world today. Crazy, right? This is sick. <laughs> so um, today we're going to be discussing what it is to be a black man in America. And growing up where we were, where we came from, uh, we came from Miami, Florida. And growing up there, we didn't always have the things that everyone else had. Sometimes there were struggles. Sometimes there were hard times and bad times, but in the end, we actually were able to come out of it as fighters. And we were actually able to make something of ourselves and for our families. And, um, you know, I wanted you to more so touch bases on it with being who you are, who you were, who you became, and how is it growing up in America as being a black male? Sure. Uh, Thanks, Mika. By the way, my name is Terrence. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I'm also in the CEO of the executive group. We primarily focus on uh, estate and trust law. But yeah, so growing up in Miami, you know, I mean, just like any other inner city childhood story, drugs, music, partying, educating myself. And I really took my time to determine what path I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced like have you ever personally experienced anything in regards to what's taking place right now racism has always been around it's been around way before we even got here but i wanted to know like have you ever personally experienced anything of the sort before in your life whether if it be uh physical verbal anything well i can account for maybe two instances but they were very subtle mm-hmm. it wasn't like no nigger or nothing like that but um i was called i've been called a boy before and i was up at Warner robbins and almost almost immediately i you know reacted like what you call me yeah and the gentleman froze and he kept walking another time was during my uh, traveling journey I, I i drove up to a to a lodge to a friend accepted mason's lodge mm-hmm. um bunch of white guys out front and I vowed to myself not to, I vowed to myself not to um, worry about skin color or any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. walked up, said, hey, I'm looking to, I would like to join this fraternity. And the older guy, I mean, it was expected. He said, well, uh, you got the wrong lodge. Your lodge is on the other side. And the I was, other side? I was, yeah, I was taken back. Yeah, he was referencing the uh, Prince Hall Lodge. Wow. But yeah, I... Pulled away. Well, I went ahead and pulled off and, you know, kept going. Needless to say, I'm part of the Blue Lodge fraternity. Uh-huh. And, you know, just one bad apple. That's all. But, yeah, that's it. Doesn't One bad apple doesn't spoil anything, right? Right. <clears throat> um, I've never actually, being a black woman in America, I have yet to experience anything in regards to um, racism, I would say to my face. Now, you know, as far as me applying to any jobs or anything like that, 
um, who knows, but I'm, I've actually never experienced anything in my face. And I think that if I were to experience anything on a face-to-face level, like one-on-one, I would more so be blown away than, than actually give a reaction. And my reaction wouldn't be to, to pop off or my reaction wouldn't be to just like be what they think I am. So, I mean, but you do believe that racism exists. Almost definitely. It's out there. I just never, you know, like I just never experienced it. I just never experienced it for myself. Personally, I never experienced it as of yet because I know for a fact it is there. I just never experienced it yet. So with everything that's going on and all the things that we've been through, how is it that you took the path that you did versus young men that were your age and young men that you found yourself uh, being cool with when you were younger? Like, how is it that you all ended up taking different paths? And was it what is it that your path gave you that their path didn't? I mean, that's a good question, but to think about it, um, I think I, I think it started back when I was a when I was a you know at birth I'm assuming mm-hmm. I have two older brothers they're about eight and nine years older than me. Mm-hmm. By the time I was able to walk, um, I, I was outside playing with their friends, so my my peers were always older than me, mm-hmm. and I always I had this this concept that if I couldn't keep up, if I can't keep up, I'll get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so upon me growing through that mentality and figuring out, okay, well, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. I want to use these to to the best of my ability. And this is how I'm going to go through life. Upon us leaving here in the city and moving up to the suburbs, um, I met a group of friends and they were all homebodies. Mm -hmm. And I was a Liberty City kid who hung out at 10, 11 o'clock at night with teenagers and you know my mom's up at home sleeping or whatever she did but I always had that drive to just do things on my own and take care of myself. Basically you led your own path and you followed behind the guidance that you had in regards to the entrepreneurship because it was always there. It wasn't anything that just came about, correct? Well, actually those those older kids, they didn't want to, you know how that is. You they know, don't want to hang with shorty. Right, right. <laughs> so I had to kind of like, hey, I'm going to force myself into this situation. Right. So I had to do it on my own. I had to push myself forward without the help or without someone saying, okay, I'm going to do it with you. Let's do it. Let me show you how to do it. No, like, mm-hmm. it was like I'm right here, you know, and, and in some cases I'm up early waking up my my older brother's friends and we're hanging out with without my big brothers being around. So I just, you know, did my own thing. That's really dope. Uh, in regards to your business and what you do, what is it that you will find yourself loving to do most? Like, what's your niche? Like, what's your thing? I'm a huge scholar. Mm-hmm. So I know that majority of our struggles the black community comes from lack of education. Mm-hmm. So I make it my, my I make it my duty to educate the individual before I actually provide them with the services that we offer. Mm-hmm. Let it be estate trust, family trust, accounting, taxes, any of that. I would rather 
give them the information for them to read over um, rather than you just providing them with the tools and then they just go out and do whatever. It's, it's very reckless of me mm-hmm. being that my name is on the line and my company's name is on the line and also their family's on, life's on the line and assets on the line. So I'd rather just teach them the information rather than sell them something. I think that uh, that's a very good uh, that's a very good concept because there's many people that will hire someone to do something for them and they not have an ounce of an inclination of whatever it is that they're asking for. Like instead of, you know, like actually going out and getting someone to do this, this and that for you, why not take what they're giving you and try and educate yourself first that you can be on at least within like the same level frame of whatever help that you're actually going out to get. I think that's a very good concept. Well, well, I mean, in, in the trust field or in private, private um, education, anything dealing with the private, when I reference public and private, we're talking public education, public funding, public housing, public assistance. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, let it be whatever, whatever comes from the state or any government entity. What we're teaching is private education, private literacy, private everything, private growth, you know, just everything that we're doing here in the private, it's all from, it's all the, 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 part, the primary sources from within. It's not nothing that no government entity could create and then put in you. Mm-hmm. What you have, your will, your desire to learn is all within you. And that's your private property. And no one can take that from you. So once you understand that concept, then we can then, you know, strategize, come up with a come up with a plan mm-hmm. to build build your family's legacy. And it's nothing that no one else could could, could take from you. <clears throat> with that being said, generational wealth, how important is it as a black man? I had to reiterate, I had to emphasize on that. How important is it as a black king to have or to start building generational wealth. It's very important. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Uh, rest in peace, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. But let's use that situation as an example. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, Mr. Floyd had three or four life insurance policies in his name, but his family's estate or his business trust or whatever trust he had set up for his children or family uh, acted as the beneficiary, all of that's going to the family. Mm-hmm. The state cannot intervene in it. Um, it'll be up to the trustee to disperse any funds to debtors or creditors. I'm sorry, creditors. And if your affairs are all lined up, and what, and what we teach is make sure your children have, or well, your, your trust has a educational fund in place. It has a real estate fund in place and other uh, assets that you may want to invest in. Or just a blueprint of what it is that you're, where, where do you want to see your trust in the next 30 years? Mm-hmm. Once that's, once that's all drawn out, then, you know, that's good. But yeah, so let's just say in, in Mr. Joy, in Mr. Floyd's case, mm-hmm. his family would be set. I mean, hence he's, you know, gone and his children wouldn't, wouldn't have a father to, to raise, to uh, be raised with. But at the end of the day, we have to continue on mm-hmm. and, you know, continue his legacy. So if someone came to you and, you know, they let you know, like, hey, uh, parents, I wanted to, I was thinking about looking into starting a trust. Like, would they have to already have all of that 
knowledge lined up or they would come to you and just seek information and you would just help them in going in the right path? How does that work? Well, starting off, I, I would submit or I would have the individual um, answer a few questions for me mm-hmm. to determine their knowledge, just general knowledge, contract concepts. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what a contract is? Do you understand the, the, the certain, the important components of a contract? And, you know, we're, we're taught this stuff early on. Mm-hmm. A promise. A, um, yeah, a promise is pretty much a contract. You mm-hmm. want to promise to do something. At that moment, you're agreeing to do something mm-hmm. for an individual or for a particular cause. Mm-hmm. That's a contract in itself. And it's expressed through your actions and also through your words. Uh, once they under- once I see that they understand that concept, then we'll roll over into literary term of contracts, making sure it's in writing, what um, what particular components of a contract is needed for it to be valid. Mm-hmm. Let it be um, consideration. Both parties have to be of sound mind and their signatures by both parties. Mm-hmm. Or maybe one party if it's a um, one directional contract, meaning that I'm going to pay someone for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. The other party doesn't have to sign that contract. The person who's promising that gift or whatever has to sign it. And then that individual, the other party can take that and say, I'm going to hold you to it. So that that would be just foundational. Everything else would just lead up into the, the more important things. Who do you look to for advice or mentorship and why? <laughs> I've been asked this question a lot mm-hmm. since, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my peers were always older than me, maybe 10 years older than me, at least 10 years older than me. So they saw things, you know, that I hadn't seen and I could kind of ask some questions and kind of figure my way out. Say when I hit about 15, 16, matter of fact, earlier than that, that number increased, maybe tripled. My peers had then become to be 20, 30 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So now at the very young age of 35, I, I, um, I, would, I would like to say that my mentors, my true mentors are my, are my ancestors. I meditate, I play back through each scenario mm-hmm. and weigh the pros and cons. But I don't necessarily have a solid, I, can, I can't put a name on a particular person mm-hmm. that I would consider being my mentor. Got it. Understood. Um, if I wanted to start up a trust for my sons and my daughters, uh, I would, of course, read into everything that I need and just and bring it to you. It just basically lets you go over everything and start it up from there. Basically, everything will be started from scratch because I, I, I for one, have uh, never actually up until now, I've never actually uh, got a trust for my kids up until recently. Um, and I'd like to thank you for that, for helping me out with that. <clears throat> um, but I wanted to touch bases with you on life insurance. How important is that to have? Because I, for one, um, you know, it's a lot of, let just, you know, come right out and say it. And, you know, I, anyone can feel how they want to feel about it. But it's a lot of people in our community that don't know how important life insurance is. And it bothers me to my core when we're doing fish fries and we're selling t-shirts just to try and help bury someone. Like, please explain to these people how important life insurance is to have. Well, life insurance is a very um, basic concept, mm-hmm. I would say, um, in the life insurance and annuities industry. Most agents and professionals in that realm consider life insurance as an asset, mm-hmm. as a financial instrument. 
um, anyone could start up a life insurance policy. Let it be whole, whole life, term, whatever. But in the black community, I would say life insurance should be the first thing we should consider investing in. Yes. Next to real estate. Yes. It costs very little. And let's say we keep the term, keep the policy going for as long as, you know, whatever, a hundred years. If you're with the, if you're in, um, if it's a term policy, 15, 20 years, five years, depending on what the circumstances are, Mm -hmm. pay it up. And if it has a, um, if the insurance has some type of um, value to it, you can use it as an instrument for, let's say, borrowing money, you know, if you want to use it as collateral. Uh, but just in general, I would say life insurance is very important. And I think that um, that should be one of the one of the first tools any any family should have in place. What would you how would you place everything in the investing on the investing pyramid in regards to what we as black people should be investing in first? Like this is first. This is second. This is third. Like give try and give us a, 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 a pretty much example of a pyramid. Um, okay, we'll start from the top. The top being the most important, education. Money is the most complex but simplest subject you can think of. Mm-hmm. If you if you were to if you were to you let us say pull out a um, let's go let's go let's say go to investopedia.com or if you have access to a, a Black's Law dictionary. Mm-hmm. The term money is just pretty much an, a a substance used to as a as a uh, value of exchange so when you're paying someone you can pay someone with a piece of corn or a bale of cotton mm-hmm. and let's say you're giving that person that cotton for an exchange of bread mm-hmm. if you feel that if you feel as if that bale of cotton is worth the amount for that loaf of bread mm-hmm. that's a contract and that exchange will allow you to purchase that bread with that bale of cotton. Now, someone else behind you may say, well, man, I can go and buy and purchase a car using that bale of cotton. So let me go take that same bale of cotton and purchase me a car. Now, when you compare a car to a loaf of bread, you're like, okay, this may be a $30,000 difference. Mm-hmm. But the individual may have found that, that loaf of bread to be more valuable than a vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's the concept of money. So once we understand what money is and, and how it's truly translated in, in the in the commercial world mm-hmm. then I would say okay now let's focus on assets mm-hmm. cars jewelry furniture clothing purses if you are or if you're a uh, purse person you definitely know, a purse freak Donian Burke whatever Louis Vuitton Vince Camuto. There we go. <laughs> but you have to take care of your merchandise. Yes. Place them back into its original bag. Make sure you're cleaning it off the way you're supposed to. That genuine leather, whatever material it is, make sure it's in mint condition. Because mm-hmm. whenever things things are getting hard for you, you want to make sure you can resell it. Right. You know, so assets. There. Um everything else i mean i would say the the last thing is make sure it's structured saying purchase this purchase that is that to um constantly build the 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 quantity of your assets um yeah yeah of course yeah i mean but you know when we talk in purchase it could be a a business Mm -hmm. 
know, if you have interest in a company, you know, that's an asset. Let's say you have 30% of interest in Apple, mm-hmm. whatever that number equates to, that's an asset. And that must be listed into your trust. And if you needed to sell those stocks, that 30% in, in Apple to pay a debt mm-hmm. or to just, if you want to liquidate the trust or close out the trust, that that whatever that number is would be dispersed throughout the um, list of beneficiaries. And that's something that you want to make sure that your trustees are doing. Mm-hmm. Purchasing assets that's not going to cause damage to your trust. What is exactly that you are trying to solve in the black community with your company? We need to we need to detach ourselves from the government's titty. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad say you said because I was going to say it, but I was going to let you say it. Yeah, we need we need to get off of that. We need to you know detach ourselves from that nipple. We have I mean, to basically come up with a whole new another Black Wall Street. Right. I mean, that's that's my that's my goal. That's my ultimate goal. Yes. Um, every client of mine, I you know throw out the concept, and we you know we talk about it. But I want to make sure that that group of people are serious and we're seriously detached from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in the next couple of years or so, like, where exactly do you see your company, and what do you see it like accomplishing, basically? We hope to have educated at least 10,000 families. It could be 10,000 people. It could be 10,000 um, customers. It could mm-hmm. be whatever. We just want to have a um, solid flow of individuals from our community coming in, just getting, you know, just learning, learning, learning what it is that we're that we're teaching, and to be able to see them, see their families grow out of poverty and into prosperity mm-hmm. and independence. Most definitely. Um, where do you, what advice would you give college kids just stepping out of college or what advice would you give kids either just stepping out of high school or just stepping out of college? Like what, um, guidance can you give them and what, like, what should be one of the first things they should do stepping out? Cause basically they're going to end up being on their own. And if they don't have the correct structure or if they have that, if they basically lived their lives on, on that and grew up on the rich dad, poor dad method, what 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 uh what information could you give them that'll help them move forward into the right direction? Establish a trust. Right. Create a trust. Put Create everything a trust. in that trust. Everything you earn from the first day you step out of the school, you close those school books, whatever you purchase from that point, make sure you have that that piece of property transferred over into a trust. When did you know that you wanted to take like the entrepreneurship path at, at what age? Like other than you being a kid, because of course when you were a kid, you were just following behind your brothers and their friends. Like at what age did you actually stop and think like, you know what? I don't want to work for anyone else. I want to work for myself. I never followed anyone. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be there. So I said nothing was going to stop me from getting there. Mm-hmm. So when it came down to me wanting to do anything, it was always something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And we've always been asked that question. What did you want to be when you grow up? My answer was an entrepreneur, a businessman. Mm-hmm. And I remember like it was yesterday. He said, well, do you know what it takes to be a businessman? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you need to read a lot there's going to be a whole bunch of reading mm-hmm. so a whole bunch of math and, and a whole bunch of other things you know and this is just me in elementary school 
Mm-hmm. So I understood that. And I've always pictured myself in the office with the calculator, sitting behind a desk with a bunch of papers. Like an accountant. You're right. right. <laughs> and that's just something that I've always envisioned. And I don't know why, but um, it still holds true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I realized I wanted to do my own thing. Everything else from that point was just, you know, levels. I'd be just putting myself into something to learn that system and move up to the next. Learn that system, move on to the next. And it shows my work. Okay. Um, do you think black queens should uplift black kings even more than they already do? Yes. Yes. But my, my initial, you know, idea behind that term black is just pretty much us of the copper skin skin mm-hmm. tone. But I believe that if you understand the importance of a legacy and the importance of trust and you know, family you deserve, you know, the abundance of what it is that we hardworking men provide us, us kings provide. Um, but yes, if we could, if I could help uplift our our black people, mm-hmm. I would say yes, most definitely. But it takes growth from on uh, both sides. We mm-hmm. need to make sure we're providing the energy, the affection that our black queens are are, deci- are desiring, and in return, they'll give us what we want, which is trust and peace of mind i agree i told i totally agree so more so than anything you feel that this is the way that us we as a people should this basically this is the direction that we should be should be heading in and if we have not already tapped into going into private we should most definitely get there as soon as possible well i think there's there's a um there's something going on right now with this Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Be on there. Right. I mean, it's just a, 20, a 21st century civil rights act that's um, going to most likely be signed. Mm-hmm. They're already working on the police, you know, police and all that stuff. But I was expressing this with someone, one of my Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Racism is not a skin color thing. Once this thing here wrote, you know, um, iron itself out, I think just us being, we'll be able to walk into a bank and um, earn the same amount of, or, you know, close to the, the same amount of respect as if someone of, the, of another race. Mm-hmm. So most definitely having our stuff in order, having our things in order, realizing that we need to educate ourselves and we're not going to be, you know, spoon fed anything. It's definitely the um, best direction to go in. Not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> No, you actually did. You did. Um, more so than anything, I would love to thank you for coming on to my show. Um, like I said before, you know, this is a very, um, BLM is a very touchy situation all within itself. Um, it, it, it takes you outside of the realm of just being black. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual, it's, you know, it's, it's, and, and, and you know, that's something else. It's, part of also your your spiritual development Mm -hmm. we have to mature as well as as adults we need to you know just grow through because violence and stress Mm -hmm. also stunts our maturity Mm -hmm. you know so once we pull ourselves away from that black white thing police brutality food stamps and all that stuff politics you know, once we pull ourselves away from that and we connect ourselves with our ancestors, the spiritual, the spirits of our ancestors, mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to then see things a lot clearer mm-hmm. and it all makes sense. Most definitely. 
I feel that it's our job to uplift you all. And I just want to, more so than anything, push us and push our culture uh, in the right direction. And, you know, your company is doing the exact thing that you all are supposed to do in regards to us. And I want to thank you for that. We need you guys for your support. Mm -hmm. So it's up for us to make sure this is you know, put in place for our for our family. So I thank you guys for that. But uh, if you if you do want to reach me, um, you can reach me at Dante underscore Savage, and that's a three at the end, not an E. So Dante underscore Savage on IG and Twitter, on Facebook at Terrence Parker. You can also like and send a request to our private group, the Executive Group. That's spelled T H E space Executor E X E C T. C-U-T-O-R. Ladies and gentlemen, again, I'd like to thank Mr. Parker for coming onto the show. This has been another episode of Mika's Energy. Bye.